Welcome to the second episode of our Corporate Technology Podcast Series. Today we will be focusing on some of the regulatory pitfalls to look out for when conducting due diligence on a medtech target business. We hope this discussion will be relevant not only from an investment or a buy-side perspective, but also from an operational one or for anyone interested in what to think about when preparing for a sale of or an exit from a medtech company. I'm Sophie Rees, a senior associate in our corporate team at Bristow's. I specialise in M&A and investment transactions in the life sciences and tech sectors. And I'm Jamie Hatzel, an associate in our life sciences regulatory team with a particular focus on medical devices and other medtech. So I think it's fair to say, Jamie, that the medtech sector is undergoing a huge amount of regulatory change at the moment. Can you tell us a bit more about what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the major story of the last few years has been the introduction of the EU's new medical device regulation, or MDR as we like to call it, which has dramatically increased the regulatory burden for medical device manufacturers and subjected industry to a frankly tumultuous, often painful and still ongoing transition. This has at times even threatened to disrupt continuity of supply, even for existing and well-established devices. Alongside that, the EU is in the process of debating its proposed AI Act, This is first of its kind legislation, which will impose significant additional pre-market conformity assessment requirements on a wide range of AI systems, including AI systems which form part of medical devices. Yeah, I think UK supply chains have clearly been strained in recent times for multiple reasons. And from a regulatory perspective, uh, obviously by Brexit in particular, um, and this is no less the case for the medtech sector than it is for other regulated sectors, And it makes it especially important to navigate regulatory changes effectively while things are still shifting around. Do you have any thoughts on where the UK is headed on this front? Well, looking to the future, the government has declared its intention to turn the UK into a life sciences superpower outside of the EU. As part of this strategy, it will implement a new medical devices regulatory framework from 2025, largely copied from the EU's medical device regulation, but with some genuinely exciting innovative access pathways supported by a facilitative regulator and unilateral recognition for medical device approvals issued in trusted jurisdictions. Currently, the thinking is the United States, Japan and the EU. Now, the UK government has so far issued the kind of comprehensive cross-sectoral regulation of AI, which the EU is pursuing. Yeah, and it seems to have actually indicated that regulatory scrutiny will be delegated to sector or activity-specific regulators. Yeah, and for AI and medtech, to take one example, the government has a published work programme for the development of specific regulatory guidance in that area. Speaking more generally, it's also clearly signalled its intention to be a global leader on a kind of third-way approach to the regulation of AI in general and to mediate between competing international visions in the US, EU, and China of how AI should be regulated. Uh, The Labour Party in opposition has also signalled that medical innovation and the regulation of AI will be key priorities for it in government, so there is still a great deal of change ahead for the medtech sector, regardless of who's holding the reins. Okay, so... Although deal activity in the medtech sector hasn't been quite as buoyant as some predicted at the start of the year, we are seeing positive signs through our practice and in the wider market. And the opportunities for medtech operators are clearly significant. And these are being driven by things like scope for consolidation, digitization of the healthcare market, 
Um, we've obviously also rejoined Horizon Europe, which is very positive news and which will allow UK researchers to apply for grants and to bid to participate in Horizon projects. Um, there's also been some really exciting recent fundraising news within the femtech sector as a sort of subsector of medtech or health tech in particular. Um, and looking at a recent Deloitte report that said that only 4% of healthcare R&D funding is targeted at women's health at the moment. Um, but when you've got an industry that's touted to become a trillion dollar one this decade, it's not surprising that funding is starting to flow that way. Against that sort of general backdrop, could you give us a steer, Jamie, on what investors and buyers of medtech should be looking for as part of their regulatory due diligence? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, due diligence should address all of the medical device regulatory compliance matters that you would ordinarily expect. Standard stuff like audit reports, communications with regulators, quality and safety complaints regarding the device, you know, the, the usual stuff which um, a corporate lawyer would expect. However, there are some particular diligence pitfalls which arise out of the current level of regulatory flux in the medtech sector. I mean, first of all, if the device has not yet been certified under the MDR, i.e. it's a legacy device, and that's what I'll refer to such devices as from now on, check whether that device still benefits from the transitional provisions under the MDR. These transitional provisions have become quite complex, and if a device loses the benefit of the transition periods, it's no longer lawful to place that device on the market in the EU and it's likely to be a problem for placing that device on the market in the UK as well. Obviously, that would cause a significant interruption in sales and affect the value of the business. Second, consider the deal structure. Contrary to popular belief, CE certifications, that's certifications issued by notified bodies following completion of a conformity assessment as verification that a medical device complies with the applicable regulatory requirements, those certifications are not transferable from one company to another. That doesn't generally present an issue where the deal is structured as a share sale because the CE certification remains with the target. And so instead, you'd just be looking at the usual medical device diligence items to ensure that the certification remains in good standing. But this can cause a headache where the deal is structured as an asset sale. In an asset sale of a medical device business, what traditionally happens is that all of the assets and documentation associated with the medical device are transferred to the buyer. The existing CE certification held by the seller is cancelled by the seller's notified body, and a new CE certification is granted on materially identical terms by the buyer's notified body following a short review procedure. This is sometimes called a trusted transfer. It's not actually a transfer. Where the medical device has been certified under the MDR, a trusted transfer can take place because the MDR is in force and new certifications can be issued under it. But where the medical device is a legacy medical device, a trusted transfer cannot take place because it is no longer possible to issue a new CE certification under the old medical device regulatory framework. The buyer will need to obtain a new CE certification under the MDR, which can take a lot of time do think years, not months. And it will take a lot of money and could require the generation of additional clinical evidence. We have seen buyers manage this issue using some innovative deal structures, which usually involve the seller providing significant transitional services. But you can see how it would add significant complexity to a deal. Third, check whether the device will be subject to the AI Act. 
The AI Act will not become law for some time yet, but preparedness is essential. In particular, some of the requirements which will be imposed by the AI Act must be baked into the development of an AI system from the outset. For instance, measures to prevent bias and to ensure the quality and, and integrity of training data will be exceptionally difficult to retrofit. With all that in mind, there are definitely steps that companies who are using or developing AI in their businesses or venture capital or private equity investors in those companies, um, steps that they can start to take to ensure that their AI systems evolve in a compliant way. And this will be helpful for investors in particular to avoid AI compliance gaps that could be flagged up in an exit scenario. And it's actually something that's coming up quite a bit for us. Um, the AI Act will set very high standards for quality and integrity of training data. Raising standards in this way should prove to be a net positive. However, compliance with the requirement that training data should be relevant, representative, error-free and complete certainly throws up multiple practical challenges, especially as there are no designated technical standards yet for developers to follow to achieve these requirements. In light of this, Investors and buyers of AI medtech businesses will want to see that the target business has a plan for AI Act preparedness, also evidence that that plan is on track. Warranties to flush out relevant information through the disclosure process will also be key, especially to stress test what assumptions a seller or an investment target is operating under. Buyers or investors can then use this information to seek to negotiate an appropriate way to address any issues, for example, through a price chip or a change in valuation or protections in the sale contract itself, or even through remedial steps post-completion. All that said, we do often see regulatory diligence issues proving quite thorny where they arise on transactions that we advise on. I think it's safe to say they tend to require very specialised handling. Would you agree that that's been your experience on the regulatory side, Jamie? I would. And it's really important to get the diligence right as a result. The consequences of regulatory non-compliance depend on the severity of that non-compliance, but serious non-compliance can result in very serious outcomes, such as a medical device being taken off the market. That could either be because a regulator issues a suspension order or because the relevant notified body for that device suspends the device's CE certification. In the most extreme cases, non-compliance can even lead to criminal sanctions. Any buyer or investor will want to make sure that non-compliance is not going to lead to these sorts of scenarios, which may effectively halt business operations completely. Your standard contractual protections and even price chips or post-completion steps may not be enough to resolve these sorts of issues, depending on the buyer's or investor's risk appetite. So reviewing information carefully to assess compliance breaches comprehensively is really important. Non-compliance can also significantly delay market launch if the company fails to obtain a CE certification in the first place. Being unable to market a device has an obvious impact on the value of the business that a buyer or investor would want to address. Given that regulatory compliance is also primarily about ensuring quality and safety, there are matters such as product liability exposure to consider as well. Thanks, Jamie. To round up, our experience advising in the medtech and related sectors is that actors in these sectors come from numerous backgrounds these days. So we see major corporates with a strategic focus on integrating medtech products into their wider businesses or venture capital or increasingly also private equity investors looking at growth opportunities. And there are obviously the medtech and health tech companies themselves who may be at various stages in their corporate life cycles. And the approach that each of these sorts of actors in the market will take to assessing and monitoring regulatory compliance will, of course, be different. 
So as such, when conducting due diligence on transactions involving medtech companies, it's even more important to ensure review is robust and comprehensive and also backed up with a good working knowledge of how regulators deal with regulatory requirements in practice. As is often the case, it's not just knowing the risk or flagging the risk, but it's being able to use the information to qualify and quantify the risk that will lead to an effective solution and a successful transactional outcome. We'll be keeping an eye on the new UK regulatory framework for medical devices and the AI Act and any impact that they may have on deal activity. So stay tuned and please feel free to get in touch with any questions. Thanks very much for listening. For more engaging and informative episodes on legal trends in tech and life sciences, why not check out some of Bristow's other podcasts? Keep an eye out as well for Bristow's Life Sciences Summit, taking place on the 23rd of November at the Royal Society in London. This year, we'll be talking about the transformative potential of personalized medicine and the commercial, legal, and ethical barriers that lie in its way. We hope to see you there.